King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times. With an instant reaction podcast special on Saturday night following the debut of AEW Collision. That's right, Getting Over is back once again, and we are not folks wasting any time on this instant reaction. Vintage Chris Vanini is along for the ride. So quick off the top, a reminder. It's all about... It is all about the five here on Getting Over. Please leave those five-star ratings and reviews for us across Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And remember, I happen to love the number five. Join us over at buymeacoffee.com slash getting over for only $5 a month. You get bonus audio, news posts, and more. We've had three new Getting Overheads over the last couple of days. We're growing. We love it. Thank you all so much. Vintage, nice to talk to you on a Saturday once again, especially not around a premium live event for WWE where we have to go and spend two hours doing an instant reaction show. You watched Collision. I watched Collision. Before we get into the breakdown of the entire show, give me your overall thoughts on the program. It was fun, you know, for first episode, you know, we'll see how it goes later on. You know, it, it, Time will tell what this really mm-hmm. is, but Saturday night show, two hours, starts with a hot promo, got some good wrestling. I like Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness on commentary. The set looked kind of like 2002 Monday Night Raw-ish. It felt fresh, so I liked Mm -hmm. it. I don't know what that means moving forward, but I enjoyed it. Yeah, the set felt like a combination of Raw and Nitro. I couldn't help but like with the commentary table on the right side and the red ring ropes and all the black... I did think about Raw frequently during the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin Kelly and Nigel McGuinness, like you said, I found them refreshing as a duo. I liked them both individually. They worked well together. Jim Ross was supposed to be on the entire show. He apparently fell and got a black eye at home. So he only came out for the main event, and he did sound awful. I'm not saying that as yeah. a criticism to him. The guy got hurt and sounded right. like he got hurt. Really, I know they wanted him on screen or, or on audio because it was the debut episode. He didn't need to be out there. And candidly, Chris, Jim Ross doesn't need to be part of this commentary team. No, week to week, I don't think so. I, I really like Kevin Kelly. I've liked him since back in the Attitude Era. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I so hopefully that all continues. I don't think you need Jim Ross in there. I like having a two-man booth, which AEW sure. doesn't have on the other shows. So stick to that. They should use Jim Ross for those pre-taped interviews, other special things. If you want to bring him out for a really special match, maybe with like old school wrestlers, a Sting or a Jericho type situation, then use him. He's definitely valuable. He does not need to be on the team every single week. And yes, overall, um, I really enjoyed the atmosphere, of course. Look, it was Chicago and CM Punk, right? We got the same thing for the first Rampage. We have seen Rampage completely fall off a cliff over the last couple of years. I'm not saying that's happening with Collision. It's a totally different show. It's live. It's two hours long. You know, they're going to put a lot of effort into making this awesome. But again, all we can judge right now is the first show. We'll certainly come back and talk about it later, you know, a month, two months, three months from now, and see if they keep up the same high energy type of situation or if it kind of falls by the wayside like Rampage did. I don't think that's going to happen, but I do think it's fair to say, hey, look, what we're about to talk about is this episode in a vacuum. We're not judging the long-term prospects of the show. Correct. This is the CM Punk episode. Is it going to be the CM Punk show? Because that's what it's kind of been built as. So we'll see in the coming weeks. 
And it sure as hell, Chris, felt that way on Saturday night. So let's go ahead and break down everything that happened. CM Punk opened the show. Uh, He wore wrestling boots around his neck. Obviously, he got an incredible ovation. He repeated, he did the whole promo segment, that he's tired of being nice. He said it like five different times. I actually missed the first minute of his promo. So Chris, he probably said it another two times before I saw that. Um, But the theme of the entire promo was, tell me when I'm telling lies. And it was a means of suggesting that he's been truthful following the brawl out stuff. Punk said he was unapologetic, never compromises. And it's all because of the fans that he can be that way. He said some people hate him for all of those reasons. And it's because of the magnitude of him and his presence. So very heel twinge to at least portions of this promo. Fans chanted, fuck the elite. Take that for what you will. Punk then said, David Zaslav, who is the head of Warner Discovery, calls him One Bill Phil. And then he made a swipe saying counterfeit bucks. Punk said he's sorry that the, why did I say that Canadian? Sorry. No. I was going to say, you literally said sorry. Uh, (laughs) It's late, folks. We're kind of running through this. He said he's sorry that the only people softer than the fans who want him to apologize are the wrestlers they like. He also said he's not leaving until someone can fill his boots. And then he referenced an AEW title that he was carrying in a bag, saying no one could have it until they earn it by beating him, which was a shot at MJF and his current reign, at least it seemed to me. So look, the crowd was hot and on his side, period. It's Chicago and CM Punk. He delivered the exact promo he wanted in his signature style to get fans riled up. No doubt about that. The man can talk when he prepares. And he perfectly executed what he wanted to do here, getting the fans really excited while addressing the love me or hate me, I am me type of deal that, let's be honest, John Cena had to do when the crowd was mixed with him. For me, I felt the promo rang kind of hollow. It was a lot of bluster and chest puffing when the people he was referencing are in reality on a completely different show by design and won't be interacting with him because of what we know happened in reality. Furthermore, they won't be able to answer him. So it felt like what he did here was kind of what Hangman Page did previously. He threw something out there that Punk didn't have the ability to respond to. Punk threw something out here that the Young Bucks and the Elite don't really have an opportunity to respond to. So sure, in kayfabe, if you want to be an unapologetic character, cool. But when you're referencing reality that you were largely at fault for creating, it's difficult to separate the two. And look, it's possible that they're going full work now, right? And this was done on purpose in that manner because they're going to pay it off six months from now with direct responses from the Bucks and Kenny. But I don't think that's what they're going to do. And I can't make the assumption that they are going to do it. What it seems like they're going to do is have him go after MJF in the title in some form or fashion. And we talked about that, Chris, as a possibility and how ridiculous it would be to strap up Punk again. If he contends but doesn't win, fine. But going the other way and actually strapping him up would be disastrous, and it would prove that no one has learned any lessons from everything that transpired. So yeah, look, it was angry Phil being angry Phil, and he is great at being angry Phil. It's just that in this instance... He didn't really have much to be angry about. Like, it's one thing when you're in in WWE shitting on the authority or you're out of WWE and you're shitting on WWE. But now you're in AEW and all they've done is roll out the red carpet for you. 
and you're angry because a couple of the executives don't like you and you did something wrong, but you don't really want to apologize for it. So look, I admit there may be a little bias seeping in here. I did say a few weeks ago, I'm pretty much done with Punk. I don't care for him. Done with seeing him on TV. But look, at the same time, a great promo is a great promo. And this was definitely a great promo, even if I didn't feel like it meant all that much. I loved it. This is the CM Punk that I wanted the first time around. The angry, tweener-ish CM Punk. The first time around, we got the I'm happy to be here. I want to teach the young guys. There's so many dream matches I want to do. And I said it then. I said, I don't want the CM Punk. I want the angry CM Punk. We got it in the MJF feud. But it's telling that in his first run, the only things we really remember from that are a little bit of the MJF stuff, the dog collar match, the promos, that was good. And then his post-show press conference stuff. Like, there wasn't much there. And I'm hoping this time around, he understands that in wrestling, there's there's going to be more of that. To your point, it does ring hollow if you're not going to have the elite there. All I could think about watching this promo was, man, if the elite's music hits right now, this place is going <laughs> right. to go berserk. Like yeah, it, it, they would have worked us. It would have been amazing. This would have been the hottest story going into wrestling all of a sudden. But we didn't get that. And that goes back to something we haven't talked about, which is the CM Punk Friday interview with ESPN, which weirdly in an AEW type of way was kind of getting more hyped up online than the show itself was. <laughs> and eventually, eventually it comes out. Punk says, basically, we haven't really squashed our beef yet, you know, with the elite and everything. And I, I don't really know why and yada, yada, yada. And... I thought the interview was fine. Nothing all that new. The the weird rumor wrestling stuff of, oh, there were there were worse quotes that, that didn't include in the story. Like, that's not, that's not how that works. So that happens. So we know he's on the record saying, we're not doing, I'm not coming back to do an elite storyline. So now you're in this weird spot as so, uh, Ryan Cox 20 on Twitter put it to me. It's like back in the day when Raw and Nitro would take swipes at each other and you knew they, they couldn't get together, except they're in the same company here. And so, <laughs> right, I, like, maybe, you know, early CM Punk return here is going really well and Tony can get them together and everybody say, guys, let's squash this. Look at all the money we can make by doing this promo. And, and it can happen. It's unlikely to happen because the best time to do it would have been right now. And the right. fact that they still can't get over that, the fact that Punk is still saying in interviews and all these things that like, we haven't really worked that out. That is very concerning from a business and leadership standpoint mm -hmm. that Tony has not made this happen yet. Um, I, I don't think it's a work shoot because again, the whole, you know, the, the upfront advertising a couple weeks ago, punk wasn't announced. And then he was announced. Like, I don't think you're, you're, I don't think you're working the ad, the advertisers. No, you don't want to be doing that. That was 1000 doing that happened there. 1000%. Yeah, so it seems unlikely that this will end well, but it'll probably go best if you just do keep them apart. And so like, he can't come out cutting promos, referencing the young bucks every week now so i don't know what cm punk is moving forward we didn't get an angle you know at the end of the show but 
overall, it, I kind of got the sense that Punk is going to be heelish. Like, he's not going to be heel in Chicago, but they're about to go on a big tour of Canada. Maybe they're happy to see him, or maybe he just does the heel thing. And if he does, I think there's a lot of potential there because that's what we need. We need something new from Punk in AW. So, good promo. Optimistic about his future, but you're not getting the biggest thing we all wanted, and that's a letdown. Yeah, and look, I'm not really going to talk about the ESPN interview because, I mean, it was a whole bunch of nothing. That's just the truth. Yeah, I wrote about it on our Buy Me a Coffee page. You can read what I wrote. I basically just said, hey, look, it confirmed much of what I've said about Punk and AEW and the lack of management, the lack of adults in the room to make sure everything gets worked out before doing this. It's extremely frustrating to see it happen when you know that it can be managed better. So he's back. Um, They're on another show. Look, if Punk had made a couple references and he had said, you know, he talked shit about MJF, which is fine. And you said, what are they going to do next with Punk? He's going after MJF. That was the point of the promo. I mean, at least that's what I think is going to happen. Now, maybe there's something that happens before that, but I would not be surprised if Punk MJF is the all-in main event, or I shouldn't say main event, one of the big matches on that show, or if not all-in, perhaps all out if that ends up getting held the week after, like we all think it's going to on Labor Day weekend. Um, that, that reminds me actually one other thing about one other thing about CM Punk being here is that I kind of wish yeah. this was a full roster divide. I don't get the sense it is, but if you did, you could get CM Punk as the collision guy taking shots at the dynamite guys, the dynamite guys take shots at the collision guys. And at some point you bring them together, but that's, I don't think that's going to happen. So who knows? Yeah, I mean, look, maybe calmer heads prevail or cooler heads prevail is the idiom. Um, you know, six months, a year, year and a half, you know, whatever. And then eventually they work their way into doing it. But back to what I was saying, if he had said one line about them or two lines about them, okay, he got it off his chest. They made a couple swipes at him. Don't forget when they came back, uh, did they hit go to sleep in a match? Or they made a couple references to Punk, like the first or second match mm-hmm. they were back and they did something in Chicago that referenced him. So, okay, you know, fair is fair, right? But he spent a good portion of this promo in making swipes at them and saying how he's the biggest thing in the entire company, the one Bill Phil line. I mean, okay. I, I mean, mean, look, people loved it. I'll tell you this, Chris, because we do need to move on here. But I, I went it. ahead and I loved it. I pulled our audience here. I wanted to know. Do they agree with me? Do they agree with you? And I, I I don't think you and I are actually that far apart here because I think it was a great promo. I just didn't care much for it. And I did think it was hollow. So I asked our audience, our getting overheads on Twitter at getting overcast. What did you think of CM Punk's opening promo on AEW collision? And I provided four different options. One great promo. And I'm glad he's back. Number two, meh promo, but I'm glad he's back. Three great promo, but I didn't care. And then for Matt promo, and I don't care about punk. And it was even across the board for like the vast majority of the time this poll was open, but it did shift towards the end. 41.5% thought it was a meh promo and they said they don't care about punk. 17% said it was a great promo and they don't care about punk. 30% said it was a great promo and they're glad he's back. And then 13% said the promo wasn't much of anything, but they're glad he's back. So that is, I mean, shocking to me that a greater percentage of these people that voted 135 votes, these were not probably only our listeners, but people searching for it online on Twitter. Uh, uh, not a majority, not an overall majority, not over 50%, obviously, but out of the four. Plurality. 
the plurality, thank you so much, uh, 41.5% said they didn't like the promo and they don't care about him being on the show. I found that to be interesting. Look, if CM Punk's going to come out and take shots at people and break the fourth wall and do all that stuff, I'm going to be entertained. It's kind of like that Darren Ravel tweet, I feel bad for this country, but this is tremendous content. It it's probably doesn't <laughs> bode well for AEW. It doesn't bode well for AEW, but I'm going to enjoy it until it happens. So. I understand the comparison. It was a good comparison. Fuck that tweet. Let me just say that right now. But yeah, for you, for, for on a wrestling context, that does make sense. Sure. All right, Chris, let's go ahead and run, run through everything else that happened on collision. Uh, CM FTR fought bullet club and Samoa Joe in the main event. The crowd was wild for punk throughout this entire thing. And there was a lot of energy and animosity for a match that, didn't really have a storyline going into it, but the crowd and the wrestlers just made it feel important and special. It felt like it was a two-month storyline culminating in this match, except it just wasn't. Uh, the faces combined for a superplex, splash, and flying elbow drop on Juice Robinson in succession, only for a broken fall. Joe got Punk in the Coquina Clutch in the middle of the ring. FTR was held in submissions on the rope, so they couldn't get to him. Eventually, they escaped and broke the submission. FTR then caught Juice with Shatter Machine before Punk added Go to Sleep for the win in a long match. Straight up, outstanding six-man tag team match. I went 4.5 stars and an A. The energy of the Chicago crowd, it added to the top-tier wrestling that we got. Everyone was fantastic. They tagged, by the way. Uh, I don't even have an MVP like I normally do for multi-man matches of this size. I just thought it was an excellent main event to end a fun show. They did exactly what they needed to do. Yeah, fun match, long match, like almost 25 minutes, I think. It was um, mm -hmm. took up a lot of time, and there's no MVP, I guess, but someone who really just shined quite a bit to me was Samoa Joe. Like, you know, mm -hmm. Jay White and Bullet Club, like they're in AEW, it's a whole thing, but like Samoa Joe just like stood out in this match for whatever reason. He just kind of had a presence about the way he just kind of controlled things he felt and carried himself like a big deal in that match and it really stood out very cool to see punk and and uh uh samoa joe back together i think commentary mm -hmm. could have done a little bit better hyping up that moment when it happened as opposed to just like saying oh these guys had a great trilogy of matches well tell, <laughs> tell me about their tell me about their tell me about them as people like long time best friends enemies like all kind like give me that type of story not just they had good matches like i really hate when they leaned into stuff like that but that's what uh, they did the whole show was, this is such a great match you're not going to get wrestling like this anywhere else it was it was still the same kind of cop type of commentary despite different people on commentary it is that that is a frustrating thing but but overall very fun match good stuff punk looked good he didn't get hurt so uh really exciting and that just it kind of again come came back to where i'm like if you have jay white as like your number two guy on collision every saturday to like give him a spotlight I think I just I think it'd be good if AW split the roster to put time and in, in, in controlled time and effort into individual people and stories and elevated them as opposed to everybody you don't know what show they're on and it just gets all mixed together. AEW has that problem of just doing everything all at once. And I think dividing it could focus it more. It doesn't sound like it's happening, but I wish it Well, it it's what they're saying is a soft split. And I it does seem yeah. like powerhouse Hobbs and probably Ricky Starks, Andrade El Idolo, CM Punk, FTR. Like it does seem like those guys are on the show. Samoa Joe probably as well. I agree. I want to tune into Collision, not necessarily knowing exactly who I'm going to see on screen because I want to be surprised, obviously. But I want to have a general idea of the types of wrestlers I'm getting on one show versus mm -hmm. the other. They don't have to do a hard split like WWE does. But what they need to do 
is when people are doing their time on collision, I want to see them there for like two months. And then if you want to do a storyline with them and someone on dynamite, shift them over and move someone from dynamite over to collision. I just want consistency in who appears on what show. It doesn't have to be that they can never move. It's just that for periods of time, they are on one show or the other. Like the acclaimed, we'll talk about it a little bit later. Like we're going to be on both shows. It's like, okay. And are you just going to continue wrestling these six man matches where you always win and nothing really happens and you cut the same promo every single time? If so, I don't need you to be on any shows, right? Uh, but it'd be easier if you were just on one actually doing storylines. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, TNT Championship was on the line, Wardlow against Luchasaurus. This was officially the first collision match. It started well before Wardlow had issues with a power slam. He came back, though, and hit a nice swanton bomb. Christian Cage then stole a regular camera from a ringside photographer, bashed Wardlow over the head with it twice, and then Luchasaurus pushed him into the canvas, like just pushed him forward uh, and pinned him and won the title. Christian immediately grabbed the title and celebrated with it himself on the top rope. Then Luchasaurus got underneath him and put him on his shoulders. And again, Christian celebrated with the title. I don't think uh, Luchasaurus even touched it. This absolutely, Chris, to me, felt like a title change for the sake of doing a title change in the debut match on the debut episode. It marks yet another disappointing end to a Wardlow title reign, another extremely poorly booked Wardlow title reign. And honestly, it wasn't even executed that well. Why not have Luchasaurus like also hit a choke slam or a big boot or some type of offense to sell the damage and protect Wardlow? A positive, the gimmick of Christian celebrating instead of Luchasaurus, that was nicely done and it was appropriate given his character and their relationship. But I thought the title change was ridiculous. Yes, I think a big part of it is because it's the first show. That's a good time to do it. Remember, the first episode of Rampage, Christian won the TNA Championship from Kenny Omega in obviously a much bigger match, a much bigger stage, and all kinds of stuff. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> a first match, something like that. But the other thing to remember is, uh, again, AEW is about to go on a tour of Canada here. Christian's about to have a TNT Championship holding it, even if it's not his. Uh, <laughs> it's not as they his, go yeah. into as they go into Canada, and that's going to be very entertaining. That's actually why I picked Christian to beat Wardlow for the match, for the belt, yeah, at the last pay-per-view. That was you my both. thought. Yeah. So now it's a different way Luchasaurus has it, but Christian is involved in holding it. So we're, we're, we're at where I thought we were going to be anyway, and I do think it's going to be entertaining. Look, the TNT belt, it's nothing. It's like... It's like the European championship back in the day or the TV title. It means nothing. It's pretty clear that the international title is the IC title of AEW at this point. Mm -hmm. I'm fine with throwing it around wherever. It means nothing. It's going. It's almost impossible to make it mean something at this point. So it changes here and there. I don't really care either way. It'll be a fun gimmick for Christian moving forward. Uh, Andrade El Idolo fought Buddy Matthews. Andrade got a welcome back chant and looked as smooth as ever running all his signatures with Buddy doing a fantastic job selling for him. There was also a solid match story with both selling old injuries. Buddy's knee collapsed twice late in the match. Andrade took advantage with a massive spinning elbow. Andrade went for the running Meteora, but Buddy caught him with a huge pump knee. Andrade came back with an appropriate figure four leg lock, only to even more appropriately move it into his wife's Figure eight leg lock for the submission victory. Andrade and Buddy appeared ready to shake hands after the bell when the lights went out. And of course, they came back on with Malachi Black in one corner sitting down and Brody King standing in the other. 
He hit Andrade with a discus lariat. So Andrade is a baby face. Microphones then missed whatever Black said to Andrade before it returned. Match was outstanding, 4.25 stars and an A. With higher stakes, it would have gone even further. It's kind of funny, Chris, that they're doing the beginning of the WWE pandemic era feuds of Andrade and Buddy and now Andrade and Malachi Black. But all of, the, all of them bang in the ring. And they're great performers and they're awesome wrestlers. So I'm totally here for it. Look, one theme of Collision was, hey, remember these guys in NXT. <laughs> that was a big theme, I think, of tonight, you notice, with all the people who were involved. Uh, match was a banger, as you would expect between these two. Hopefully, if Andrade maybe is like a Collision-only guy, he can get something going. That would be cool. Only thing is, I thought production camera work on this match was very poor. Uh, they mm-hmm. The camera angle where Andrade goes into the ropes and lays down, the, the Buddy Murphy, Buddy was... Uh, lined up with his face. You couldn't see Andrade half of his body. Uh, the figure eight was awesome, but the camera missed the tap out. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, it's actually it's actually pretty hard to get that figure eight up. It took him a little bit, so credit to Charlotte, you know, you know, gymnast and everything, being able to do that because uh, a, a bigger guy doing it looked pretty difficult, pretty, but yeah. I love I, 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 I doing it. Look, he big wife guy. We love seeing that in wrestling, so I enjoyed it. Let's put it this way. Charlotte has the body type for it. Andrade does not. Yes. The fact that he could even yeah. do it is impressive. And he did it and yeah. he got full extension on it. So he did. Credit to him, you know? Uh, Miro fought Tony Nice. You're talking about NXT and WWE people. Uh, there was a mm-hmm. GP promo by Nice helping Miro get an even bigger pop for his return entrance. This was an extended squash match with Miro winning via submission as usual. He looked great, looked like he never left. I just don't have much more to say about it because, again, another opportunity. So Andrade, they did tell a story, and they got him into something with House of Black. Here, another opportunity to tell a story. Days didn't. It's just Miro's back. That's it. Yep. Yep. I look great. Love him. Again, hopefully a guy who can get, get some focus on the show moving forward because he's really good. So we'll see. Uh, Tony Storm and Ruby Soho fought Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue. The Faces won a pre-match brawl outside, and Mercedes Monet's name was mentioned in regards to Willow and her NJPW Strong title. Sky got the hot tag and is apparently from Chicago, so it had extra meaning. The heels had her beat, but Tony decided to grab the spray paint for no reason whatsoever. That gave Willow time to hop in the ring, take out Storm, while simultaneously spraying Ruby in the face. It got misdirected. Sky then hit a blinded Soho with code blue for the babyface win. Well wrestled, the right result coming out of Sky losing in a singles match on Dynamite. It seems like Willow versus Tori is the next women's singles feud. So all in all, it did move it forward, and I liked it. I thought it was well wrestled. Yeah, fun match. Uh, the faces got the win. The crowd loved it. Willow Nightingale is awesome. Sky Blue held her own, did a good job. And uh, yeah, look, Tony Storm, since being the champion, is kind of looked weak, but that's sort of how heels go. And I don't know, it was good. Uh, the Acclaimed came out for a promo segment. Max Caster's rap was mediocre, I thought, this week. Daddy Ass said they are still going after the trio's titles. Anthony Bowen said they would be on both shows. They said Scissor. I didn't count, but it was at least 15 times in this segment. Talk about wearing out a gimmick. And then they did a four-way scissor with Tony Schiavone. Like, I love these guys, okay? But this segment literally accomplished nothing. They said they still want to win the titles, but they got an opportunity and failed to win them clean. This was kind of emblematic across the entire show. Like I said, good segment in a vacuum. Like, the fans liked it, but it didn't actually do anything extremely weird the first half of it was great everything made sense you know but like every once in a while they beat you over the head with the scissor thing and like oh we're gonna do a four-way scissor with tony Schiavone, but then somebody's music hits and interrupts it that's like 
that's like basic one-on-one wrestling right there. Like you want to give the fans something, the heels interfere, the heels interrupt. Oh, there's your new story. On we go. I can't believe they just did it and gave gave it to you and whatever. It was extremely weird. There were a a lot lot of things on the show that didn't start a storyline, which is kind of weird for your first episode. You would think that you're giving people a reason to tune in next week. They literally did not. I, I mean, I could be wrong. And we're doing an instant reaction, so I, I'm not looking on Twitter. But I don't think they announced a single thing for Collision next week. Well, they've got Dynamite and Forbidden Door, so they had to announce all those matches. So. But still, you would think they'd say, hey, come back and see CM Punk in a, his first singles match since returning next week on Collision. Like, anything. They, gave, they literally gave no reason to tune in next week to watch Collision, which you have your most captive audience. You have more people watching this episode of Collision. I'm not saying more than they'll ever have. But based on Rampage, as an example, maybe more than they'll ever have. So you want people to say, hey, this Saturday night show, it's so good. I can't wait to tune back in. Oh, and next week, they're giving me X, Y, and Z. I cannot wait to watch next week. They didn't do that. Agreed. And they should Very, very, surpri- very surprised show. by that. Uh, a couple other items. Uh, QT Marshall backstage guaranteed that Powerhouse Hobbs would win the Owen Hart tournament. Hobbs said he's the face of TNT. That was it. Uh, hopefully, the additional show gets Hobbs a lot more TV time because he deserves it. Also, Scorpio Sky got a video package saying Collision was the perfect opportunity for him to return, and he's both the present and future of AEW. I like Sky. There was a time where he was moving up. He had momentum. It's lost now. Don't care much about him, given the way the roster has expanded since he's been gone. Also, Ricky Starks declared that he will be in the Owen Hart tournament. I think he and Hobbs are both uh, good people to be in that tournament. Starks, you know, out of the people that we know so far, which is just two, I would say he's the favorite of those two to possibly win the entire thing. I'm trying to create something to say here. It was just a bunch of nothing. Yeah, sure. Well, we'll see. All right, Chris, Not any final thoughts on collision? Uh, I don't, I, I biggest thing is I got to see if this is something I'm really going to like. I, I don't know if I'm going to watch this live every week, like Saturday night. I'm here. I had some stuff going on today. Wanted to watch wanted to sit down and watch the first one live, get a feel for it. But like week to week, Saturday nights, it's going to be tough. I don't know. Well, let's, let's be honest. Starting in September, you and I will never watch it on Saturday night. Right. So they have basically two and a half months where maybe we watch it Saturday night live. No pun intended there. When I said that Uh, on Saturday night, comma live, (laughs) Um, you know, if, if we happen to be home, but I'm telling you, I'm not making an appointment to make sure I'm home on Saturday nights at 8 p.m. to watch wrestling when I can otherwise be out. So we'll see what the rating does this week. We'll definitely talk about that on our AEW Forbidden Door Ultimate Preview Show coming up this Thursday on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. We'll break down everything that happens on Dynamite and already happened on Rampage, any fallout from Collision, and we'll give you a full Ultimate Preview for AEW Forbidden Door. Uh, but we'll see what the rating is and we'll discuss it on that show. And also we'll see what it is next week and how it went from week one to week two. And obviously, like I said, we'll evaluate after month one, month two and month three. In terms of other shows coming up here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, our next episode is Tuesday. We'll be talking all things WWE coming out of the bloodline, fully imploding Friday night on SmackDown. And now we have a bloodline civil war match set for Money in the Bank. We'll discuss that in full on Tuesday. And then a special edition of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast this coming Wednesday. The Silver King sits down one-on-one with WWE ring announcer Samantha Irvin for an extended conversation. I promise you, you do not want to miss it. And we'll also break down everything that happens 
on night one of NXT Gold Rush featuring Seth Rollins defending the World Heavyweight Championship against Braun Breaker. So join us for three episodes next week, plus your AEW Forbidden Door instant analysis after the pay-per-view goes off the air next weekend. We appreciate all of you being here. Do not forget the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. It's all about... So leave those five-star ratings and reviews for us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Also remember, I happen to love the numbers. Five. Become an official Getting Overhead over at buymeacoffee.com slash getting over. Bonus audio, news posts, and support the show. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. Thanks to Vintage Chris Manini for joining yours truly, the Silver King Adam Silverstein, on Saturday night. It is time for us to sign off and time for me to leave you with just three final words. Bye for now.